Before you sit down, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the person to the front, to the back, to the left, to the right. May their ears be open, Lord, and if not, give me permission to slap them in Jesus' name. Amen. On your way down, be blessed. Hallelujah. Before I start, welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Gray. Can you please be upstanding? Welcome to you. They just got married. We want to bless you. Want to welcome a new lady in the church because she wasn't a grey last time she left. Now she's a grey. So welcome to you both. God bless you. I also like to uh, welcome my sister all the way from Australia, Miss Flo, or the girls' mummies. So you know the girls, but that's the mummy. That's mummy. She's very loud. She's louder than me. So you're you're here, her. God bless you. And if you're here for the first time, God bless you. Amen. We had a crowded house last week. Every person in our house was new. Because we asked if you're new in the house, put up your hand and everyone was new because it was our first service, right? So um, God bless you if this is your first, uh, first time in the house, God bless you. So we're going to continue our series this morning about the genealogy of Jesus. It's a bloodline series. It's a series from the book of Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 to 17. Um, in that series, we have ch- uh, spoken to you about the people in which God chose to be in the bloodline, amen, to be in the family tree. Um, Pastor Jay um, shared with us last week about five unlikely women, and we understand that in Jewish customs, women were not on the family trees, it was just the men and the sons, but Jesus has a way of turning things upside down, amen. He's not just here, he's not here to have a religious group of people, he's here to have people that are in a relationship with him. He wants us to have a relationship with him, amen. So I'm going to continue this um, today and I pray that as we are going closer to Christmas, how many days to Christmas? On the first day of Christmas, what Chilla said to me, 10. There's about 10 days. Everyone get your 10. Pork bones, no pork bones. About 10 days away from Christmas. And I just want to continue to encourage us to keep our focus. Amen. Because we can get so busy with busyness that we forget about this reason for the season. So I'm going to share on Matthew 1, 1 to 17. And I'll bring a few observations that I've drawn out from this particular passage. The first thing I want us to understand about the bloodline of Jesus Christ or the family tree is what man looks as insignificant, Jesus looks as significant. Can you say that together this morning? What man looks... Can we read that again all together? And in Psalm 1, Ia. Okay, Torufa. So Matthew takes an insignificant family line and he organises all of humanity around this family line. Insignificant people, some that we know, some that we don't know, some that are forgotten, some that are prostitutes, they're liars, they're all those people that you and I hope to forget in our family line. But Jesus uses all these types of people to bring and organise all of humanity around it. God had promised Abraham. He said to Abraham that he's going to bring salvation to the world through Jesus Christ, the Son of Heaven. And what Matthew shows us this morning in the genealogy of Jesus is that God was the one guiding everything that took place anytime, every time, at all times. 
It is God guiding it. And I'll show you why that I believe that it was God guiding it. We can remember the Christmas story. We all understand about Joseph and Mary, do we not? If you don't know about Joseph and Mary, read, read Matthew and even read Luke. It'll help you understand the stories. But here is Joseph and Mary. And, and there was a census um, in Rome that everyone had to go back to their hometown, right? So God orchestrated a census from the government. So everybody had to go back to their hometown. Joseph went to Bethlehem because that was the town of David because he belonged to the house of David, Right? So he went there with Mary, who was pledged to be his, his wife, and they were expecting a child. See, God's purpose in all of this was so the prophetic word or the prophecy about the Messiah being born in Bethlehem could take place. That is the core reason why God orchestrated Mo, uh, Joseph. Joseph and Mary to go back to Bethlehem. Because in the Old Testament, we read this, that out of Bethlehem, a son will be born. His name will be Jesus, the Messiah. Amen? So God orchestrated all this to happen. He moves the Roman government to order a census so he can get Joseph and Mary back to their hometown. Can we say back to the hometown? So he moves the whole world so that two people could be in a specific place at a specific time for a specific reason and for a specific purpose. He moved the whole world to move two people. He moved everything to position two people. I think about me and Cindy a lot and I think to myself, just using you because you're a good example, don't screw your face up, I've got the mic. But I just think about this. He orchestrated heaven to intervene on earth so that I'd be walking down a street one day in Wainuiamata and he would make our lives collide together. It did happen. You did whistle. But I was walking down a street in Wainuiamata and there was an island man from Satapala driving down the same street at the exact same time who did that. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Dave, I'm going to remove you and put you at the back of the, of the church. So he orchestrated two people to be in one place to collide in order for us to do what God needed us to do because He couldn't do it without me and I couldn't do it without Him and God couldn't do it without us. Think about Mary and Joseph. God moved all of earth in order to create the government of Rome to, to have a census so He can move two people from one place to another so there will be a perfect alignment for Jesus to be born and the prophecy which was done Hundreds of thousands of years before could come to pass. So my question is this morning, what is the prophecy God has spoken over your life in which you think is not going to happen, that God says it will happen. He just needs to move you into place in order for things to take place for His purpose and not for your own. So can I also suggest this morning that God is in control? 
That even if you think your life is insignificant, that's not what God thinks. When Jesus looks at you, he sees his purpose being manifested through you. We think to ourselves that Mrs. Gray coming all the way from the Philippines was just, you know, fate. No, it's God. It is God orchestrating a plan. It is God. Now, a lot of this doesn't make sense to me. I don't have it all. I don't have all the answers. I don't understand how God thinks his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. But I do my best to walk according to the ordained steps which God has put before us. Amen. One foot in front of the other. If we think about Proverbs 19, it says these words, that many are the plans of the man's heart, but it's God's purpose that will prevail. So we have many plans. We have plans and ambitions for work. We have plans and ambitions for our families. We have plans and ambitions for our community, for our churches, for our friends, for, for anyone that is connected. We have all these thoughts and plans. But can I say this this morning, that God is in control, that it is His purpose and it is His will that is operating through what you want to do. And He's saying, aha, darling, I want you over here, not over there. So during this time of census, God was orchestrating this government and man to come into alignment for his plans. And Jesus was the centre of it all. This season that we we find ourselves in, Jesus is the centre of it all. Even today, people are watching the most powerful worlds, the most powerful powers in the world. We watch the stock market, we watch the White House, we listen to what's happening in politics around the world, local politics, national politics. We're all watching what's happening and you all get surprised. Who was surprised when the mayor, who was so young, became the mayor? Put your hand up and be honest. Thank you, Andrew. You're the only bold person in truth. You're all liars. (laughs) I'm never surprised when God does what God does. We think it's man that puts man into places. No, the Bible's very clear that God puts man into places and God removes man from places. It is all about His plan. So I never get surprised when things happen. When I never get surprised when the world has all these comments and and thoughts about the stock market, the White House, the President of the United States, even our Prime Minister. I'm never surprised because I know who is in control. He is accomplishing his purpose. And the purpose of Jesus Christ was to bring salvation to the lost people. That is the ultimate reason why Jesus came. Jesus came to reconcile us to himself. He wasn't a plan B. God has always been in control. And you say, well, Adam and Eve, you know, that was God's plan. Yeah, that was God's plan, but they they were made and they made a mistake and God already knew even before the foundations of the earth that his son will have to hang on the cross and be crucified. It was already predestined. There was no plan A, plan B. It's just God. So we see this when we look around, that God is in control. When Rome was charged, uh, many Israelites at this particular time were very discouraged. They, they looked around and 
They can't see Jesus. They can't see the purpose. They can't see God and what was happening in their communities. Many under the sound of my voice this morning, you're discouraged. Unbelief is growing. I want to tell you, do not be deceived. It didn't look like God was in control when Jesus, at Jesus' birth, it did not look like God was in control in Jesus' crucifixion. But that was his most powerful moments. We think God wasn't in control, but God was in control. Through the birth and the death of Jesus Christ, God was in control. If you're discouraged, I want, you to t- I want to tell you this morning that no matter what is happening in your life, God is in control. I want you to tell your neighbour God's in control. So God has a purpose for our life. And His purpose is to re- reveal Jesus in us and reveal Jesus through us. And you may think, well, my purpose is to do this and do that. No, your purpose is just to love people and just serve one another. And our purpose is to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And you may think, well, I'm just insignificant. I only can do this little bit. I'm not very educated. I'm not very great. I'm not that, you know, I can't preach out in public. I can't pray loud. You know, I'm just a silent person and I'm nobody. I want you to know that you're being deceived. You are some body and God needs everybody to do their little bit in order for his big plan to come to fruition you may not have a public standing profile you may not have um, everything that you want but God is still using you and God's still got a plan for your life so everything in your life has ultimately been about you becoming more like Jesus look at the trials that you've been through Look at what you've walked through. Look at the valleys that you've gone through, the valley of the shadow of death, where you have, and some of us are still walking through that valley. I want to say to you, God is still in control. If we look at the family tree of Jesus, we will see glimpses of insignificant people, people we don't even hear of, people we don't even know, not much about them, but they're in the family tree. So I want us to remember this morning that you are significant. Just like Jesus' family tree, that there were insignificant people, you are significant. Amen. Second thing I want to talk about is God is working in the good, bad and ugly. Many of us is a lot of ugly. If you're with me, say amen. I'm in good company. Okay. So Matthew 1, 17 says that on all generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until captivity in Babylon, there are 14 generations. And from captivity in Babylon until the, until the Christ are 14 generations. We understand? The author of creation organised the progression from Abraham to David, David to exile, exile to Jesus. 14 generations plus 14 generations plus 14 generations. Are we okay? He uses kings that have gone bad. He uses prostitutes. He uses liars. He uses the least of the least. But despite all this mess, God was working to bring about His perfect plan. What's our excuse? He's working in our lives even when it seems like he is absent. Who knows what I mean when I, when I say even when God feels absent, he is working. 
I just remember when Jesus was crucified and he's hanging on the cross and they brought him down and they anointed his body and they put him in the tomb for three days. He's there. Well, he's not there. He's gone down to the pit of hell and he's fighting on our behalf. Yeah. Nothing was happening in the surface. Nothing was going on. The men, you just went back to doing what you normally do. Praise Jesus. But us women, we went to Jesus to anoint him. Praise Jesus. Just say. <laughs> us women knew that there was that was our Messiah. The men would just had to go do fishing because they had to make money again. But anyway, that's not the message I want to say. I just want to say for three days there was nothing happening on the surface. There was nothing going around. People were locked behind their doors. They were afraid. They didn't know. But he was still working. He was still powerfully working. He was still fighting the enemy. And he was making sure the enemy knew who was in control. So even if you and I don't sense him, even if we don't feel him, even if we don't hear him, he is still working on our behalf. And all your mess and all our weaknesses... And all the bad times, He is still working. He is working on our lives even if He seems absent. And there are so many of us who have some messy dysfunction in our lives. If that is not you, you're probably in the wrong church. But some of the things that others have done to us have angered God and broke His heart. Because things have happened to us things that have hurt us, and it's broken his heart. But can I say this, that we all have one thing in common, that God has a purpose, and in and through us, he is working it out. He is working in the darkest parts of our personal lives. Do you know the parts that you don't bring to church? You only bring the God part to church. That's not you. It must be the other church. But sometimes we just bring the God part to church. And we don't come to church when we don't feel the God part, when we're angry, when we're sad, when we're depressed, when we're hurt. We don't want to come to church because we don't want people to see the real us. Can I just challenge us today that I want to be in that type of church? that we have dysfunction and we have people who are broken and we have people who are sad and angry, who are disappointed, who is mad, but are able to still draw close to Him in the midst of all their dysfunction. They are still drawing close to God. I want a house and I want to worship next to people who are okay with me and my dysfunction. I want to stand next to people who are comfortable when I'm a mess and I can't be bothered preaching to you. I feel bothered to preach you today. I'm just saying that. I feel like I need to preach you today. But there are some days when we get up where we don't want to connect and we don't want to read our Bible. We don't even want to pray. And we think that God looks at us like we are just less than anything. God looks at us with loving eyes and He's saying, my darling, I love you just the way you are. He's a big enough God to carry all our dysfunction. Amen. Are we okay? Are we okay? Are you sitting next to someone really real? Amen. 
Amen. So I want to tell you this morning that He takes our chaotic mess in our lives and He stamps His perfection on it because in our imperfection, we are made perfect because He's perfect. And in our weakness, He says we are made strong because He's strength. And when we're sick, the Bible says that we are healed because of Him. So it's really got nothing to do with us. It's more to do with Him because He wants to show Himself real to us. Hallelujah. Are we okay? In Romans 8, it says that we know that all things work together what? for the good of those who love. Ooh. I want to tell you this morning that you're not a surprise to God. He knew that you were going to do what you did last night. Where's we are? I just had a prophetic word. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> he knew that you were going to mess up. He knew you were going to curse that lady who took your park. <laughs> he knew, Mr. Vainlima, that you were going to get out of your car and tell somebody off for doing the wrong thing. But it was actually you. <laughs> Can I say to you, God does not stand up one day and go, oh, I'm surprised Pastor Jordan did that. He is not surprised. He's not surprised by your faults. He's not surprised by your sin, but does not give us a license to do what is wrong when we know what we're doing is wrong. See, grace gives us the ability to do what is right because all we want to do is please God. So grace is the power to do what is right even when it feels wrong. Are we okay this morning? We must remember that even in the tree of Jesus, that we see such mess, man. We see a prostitute who God uses. We see liars who God uses. If that was, you know, if Jesus came in here and looked at us and, you know, pastor says, well, can't use Kathy. No, can't use you. You need to sort out your life. You need to get A, B, and C in order. And then I will pray to see if you're worthy enough to serve in the church. Wow. None of us will be worthy enough to serve in the church. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And I don't know about you, but we mess up. But thank God that we can call on his name and he will redeem us. So he knows what he is doing. And he knows what we're going through. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our faults. But still in the good, the bad and the ugly, he chooses us to be his. I just want you to hear that. He chooses you to belong to him. Um, That's why I challenge people who don't connect to a local church or to a church. Because they're not called to be orphans. God said that you're part of the family, which means that you have to be connected into a family because you no longer are an orphan, but you belong to him. So we are like a family of God. And I can never say to people, well, you know, Pastor, I fellowship at home. It's just me, God, and Holy Spirit. And, you know, Jesus is there. And I just think to myself, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You're not an orphan. 
You're called to the body of Christ to be with daughters and sons of God. Amen. The third thing I want us to know is know your worth. Jewish people, their genealogy was like their resume. Your, your heritage was how you showed your worth. So what you had showed your worth. But when um, you and I read through the genealogy of Jesus, he includes people like prostitutes, he includes Gentiles. What, would the world, what the world saw was worthless, God saw as priceless. And I just think to myself, some days when I don't feel like getting up, maybe depression is hitting in. Oh man, let's just take off the mask. Maybe depression is setting in. Maybe you're just having a tough week. Maybe you just don't feel like getting out of bed. Maybe the bills are just so big that you don't know how to get through it. Maybe you don't have food in your cupboard. Maybe you're too proud to ask for help. That's none of you. I'm just saying you're all great. I'm just saying. But maybe you feel that you are worthless. Where are you hearing that lie from? That is a lie. Because the Word of God tells us that we are His priceless, precious jewels. Is that how you say it? Jewels? Jewels. Jewels. Jesus was not ashamed to identify Himself with outcast people and place them into His family. He used prostitutes and kings that were set equal. Prostitutes and kings were equal. A clear message for us today is no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've come from, what your background is, you are part of Him. He put kings and prostitutes on the same family line. They were equal. And I don't know, but some of us this morning, we feel outcast, we feel unworthy, we feel worthless, but you are not. He brought you close to Him. When you feel worthless, He purchased you. When you feel vulnerable, He was there for you. Through His blood, He redeemed us. You may think that God has plans for your neighbour, but He includes you into that plan also. We always think that it's about somebody else and we can't see ourselves. It's like God's going to bless somebody else, but God's not going to bless me. We're easy for us to rejoice. Oh, you know, he's, Jordan's getting so blessed and that's all blessed, but that's, you know, he's a pastor and he's got that. And I just think to myself, I, I know, don't even, he's like, I know I'm blessed, but I just want you to understand this, that you're part of that also. Why is it hard for us to receive? Hmm. Um, I've come to understand that when, when someone purchases something for me or want to bless me with something, I just take it and say, God bless you. I don't go, oh no, don't, don't, take it back, take it back. You just don't do that, eh? I just say, bless you. And I say bless you because I understand honour. Because God said that in the last days I'll lay down a crown of honour. If I don't have honour, to how, what am I going to lay down? What am I going to lay down? I want you to be blessed, so I'll receive. And when I give something to someone, please don't go, oh, Pastor, no, no, just take it and God bless you. Hallelujah. So no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've come from, what your family looks like, you are worth it. 
He purchased you with the most valuable possession, his blood. And God has a plan. When we look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, it shows us that he is in control. When we look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, it shows us that he works in all situations. When we look through the genealogy of Jesus Christ, he uses the least of the least, the insignificant, the unworthy. When we look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, he places everyone in the same place, either you're king or you're a lion, a prostitute, but you're all the same, does not matter to him. When we look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, we see the most ugliest situation, bringing forth the most beautiful stories. And we look about the rapes, and we look about the incest, because that was all part of Jesus' tree. God uses all those situations and all those stories to reveal His beautiful purpose in their lives. If you're here this morning, maybe you've been a victim or not a victim, you're a survivor of abuse or rape. I want you to know that God's going to use your story. If you're someone here this morning and you think, oh, well, I'm ashamed of what happened in my past, I want to tell you that God's going to use your story. As a survivor of abuse and rape in my life, man, I'm unashamed. I didn't do anything wrong. I was a child. God used a Maori woman and a Samoan guy that couldn't speak much English (laughs) to do some awesome things. So if he can use a Samoan from such a place that can't speak English, fresh off the boat, and a Māori girl from Wanganui River that wasn't educated, that was brought up in the most horrible situations, then I'm sure God could use you. Can I say this this morning? That Christ takes the most ugliest parts of us and he fashions it to something beautiful. He takes the most ugliest parts. You know our hidden stuff? This morning, if you're struggling with some serious, serious stuff, uh, men of God, I'm going to say this to you. Don't expose your mind to things that are not meant to be for you. So I'm going to say this very clear because this is I'm getting a picture right now. That if you're tampering with anything that is not right, especially on the internet, you correct it right now in Jesus' name. And if you need help, you don't hide it, you expose it. Men of God, do you know what I mean? Do you want me to say the word? Because I'm a bit afraid there might be kids in the room. So I'm just going to bring that bring that out. Sorry, I had to release that. Hallelujah. So you're more worth, you're worth more than silver and gold. Look at yourself and say, man, I'm worth more than silver and gold, but I could have some on my body right now. Hallelujah. So Jesus was born for a purpose, on a purpose, for this purpose, that he came, laid down his life. And this Christmas, can I encourage us just to be thankful for where we are today? Let us not get too busy that we just are not thankful. Just be thankful. You may not have much to give you your family or your children, but what you do have, God's going to multiply. I shared to someone this morning that just texted me and is just going through a, few, through a very hard time. And I just reminded this person this morning that your best moments is when you're going through a hard time and you're real about it and you say, I'm just going through a hard time. 
We don't know what our neighbour's going through, amen? So I want to encourage you to be thankful. Can I encourage us not only to be thankful for all what God has done, but also be thankful for what he's doing. Look back and see where you've come from. Some of us have come out of really extreme countries to New Zealand. Your country compared to New Zealand is like heaven and hell. But God's brought you to New Zealand for a reason. Can I encourage us to be thankful, even thankful for his grace? If it wasn't for God's grace, where would we be today? Like seriously. So over this Christmas season, I'm going to wrap this up so we can go and have a cup of tea. Over this, and someone's going to buy biscuits. It must be pasta. Okay, I'll go and buy biscuits. Over this Christmas, can I ask us to remember this? You are significant. God is in control. And you are worthy. Very, very worthy. Amen. Be upstanding in the presence of the Lord. Give the Lord a hand.